This is Transistor.fm. Hey everyone, welcome to Build Your SaaS. This is the behind-the-scenes story of building a web app in 2020. I'm John Buda, a software engineer. And I'm Justin Jackson, and I've got allergies. <laughs> Uh-oh. Follow along as we build Transistor.fm. Well, it's better that you have that than the alternative. Oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah, I'll take allergies. I'll take allergies any day. Yeah. Better yeah. than the alternative. Um. You know, one thing I want to talk about today is actually that intro. This is the behind-the-scenes story of building a web app in 2020. Yeah, we've been. Sa- I think we've talked. We've we've talked about this before. I think. Oh yeah, we talked. Or, or what? Or what would happen mm-hmm. at some point? We've we've touched we've touched base on this topic a while. I'll I'll briefly tell you where I'm at right now, and then you can say where you're at. So, the underlying question is, what do we do with this podcast? How long? Do we keep doing it? And right. what should the 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 focus of it be? And personally, I think we should keep doing it. I think it's good for us to have a show. It's very difficult to build an audience for a show. And so the idea of doing something else, I think, and starting again, uh, which would be fine. I think, you know, that's makes sense for some folks. We could do that. But I like the people who listen every week. And we continue to get a good response to almost every episode we publish. And so I feel like we should keep doing it. Um, wh- where, where are you at these days with that? Yeah, I, I, I think we should keep doing it. Um, I think it's obviously been good for us just to, as, a, as a time set aside to just talk. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I mean like I've I've obviously missed a few episodes right and you've filled in with some interviews and stuff which have been great but like I don't necessarily feel like I need to do it every week. Mm-hmm. Mostly because well I mean partially because there's just not as much for me to talk about that's different every week and also just the current situation is like every week feels the same anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. But but yeah, I mean, there's definitely some value in it. I think the listeners, you know, hopefully still get some value out of it. And it feels like we're at a point where we're not really, maybe this is what you wanted to talk about. I don't know, but it's it's harder and harder to know what to talk about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, this is exactly, that's a perfect kind of foundation for the way I'm thinking about it. And again, in past episodes, we've thrown around this, you know, like, what do we do with this show? And the reason, and this is the same, you know, challenge that Gimlet's startup ran into. And to tell you the truth, every other podcast, like Art of Product, Bootstrap Web, Getting to Ramen, Slow and Steady, Product Journey, Bootstrapping SaaS, for every one of those shows where some founders are sharing their journey, the building phase is the most engaging. Yeah. Because that there's something new to talk about all the time. You don't there's some a natural narrative arc there where nobody knows what's going to happen next. And for all of our listeners that, you know, were with us through that time, I mean, if you haven't listened, if you're new and you haven't listened to 
the first couple years of this show, definitely go back because it's a great, it is a good story of a Canadian and an American meet at a conference and four years later, um, you know, in interesting circumstances decide to start working together and they have no idea if it's going to work out. And every week is a cliffhanger because you just don't know what's going to happen next. Right. And eventually these shows enter a maturity phase where there, there is not going to be as much drama to talk about because, you know, like for example, Ben Ornstein with Tuple, uh, his updates these days are about, you know, we're, we're hiring some people and we're meeting with some lawyers and meeting with an accountant. And it's, it's a, I like it because I feel like it's, it's almost like catching up with a friend at microconf, like, Hey, what's going on? And just talking through the, the, the real life stuff that's going on. And sometimes in the midst of those conversations and updates, you, you kind of, trip over something you didn't know. And so you have to kind of wait and maybe, yeah, you have to wait for those helpful nuggets. You have to wait longer. But when they come, it's like, oh, wow, that, I just never thought of that. Um, all of all of us, all of us that have started these kinds of shows kind of get here. With the intro line, I think, you know, we, we've been talking about, you know, the scene, behind the scenes story, building a web app in 2020, but like, it's really that we built the web app. yeah. And, you know, that line could be replaced with anything. Yeah. (laughs) And in some ways, I almost wonder if we should replace the line with, um, you know, hi, welcome to Build Your SaaS. In 2018, we set out to build Transistor.fm. We, you know, now we're, now we were, we quit our full-time jobs and we're working on it full-time or something like that. I think we've seen that. There are listeners, and a lot of them are our Patreon supporters, that are just really excited to stay on for the ride. Like, I personally was disappointed when Gimlet started doing the startup podcast and giving updates on Gimlet. It doesn't make for as good of radio, but man, when you if you're on that journey with them and you're just interested in the evolution of a company, yeah. I you know, I want to hear every week okay so what's what's bloomberg thinking about this week what even if it's not terribly dramatic i i still like that i i like kind of being in that relationship with you know with the host and there are lots of shows like this like roderick on the line um to a certain extent you know uh, back to work or the uh, accidental tech podcast um sometimes you're just tuning into those shows because it's like meeting up with an old friend. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, that might be what a lot of our, our uh, listeners, our audience are are kind of tuning in for these days. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. It, you know, week to week, it feels like we run into less problems Mm -hmm. that come up. And again, everything is obviously overshadowed by just like whatever is going on right now in the world. Yeah. Um, And, sort of taking things day by day anyway but um i yeah i'd be and i i'd also be kind of curious to hear your thoughts on if if it you think it's our personal situations are different because uh lately i've been more working on one 
big change, which is our like redesign of our dashboard mm-hmm. for, for a while, like weeks and weeks. Yeah. And so for me, week to week, things are not that different. Yeah. Whereas you're sort of more on the, you know, the marketing side of things and, and talking to customers and doing customer calls and you're, you, maybe you have more of a, a pulse on the industry and where it's going or how things are changing or what people want. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think that's true. Yeah. And, and also I think, you know, I've always been, I've invested a lot in the bootstrapping community. And, and so sometimes my inspiration for these shows comes from, you know, listening to the product journey podcast, because they're near the beginning of their journey. And it'll remind me of something that didn't happen too long ago. It, It happened a year ago, but and I feel like I have something to add to that conversation because I've been through it. I've seen what they're seeing, but I'm now six months or 12 months ahead. And, you know, that gives me the inspiration. To go, oh, we should talk about that today, um, right after this. Let's talk about, you know, what SaaS people might want to think about starting right now, what approach I would be taking or we would be taking. And so, yeah, I think uh, part of this, part of that is also, yeah, just I'm, I'm pretty tuned in to, to where people are at. And I'm at the same time, I'm interested in these more mature companies, you know, like the Ruben Gamez, Gamez founders of the world who are, you know, they're further ahead, they're more established and to think, to know how they're thinking right now is interesting as well. Do you have, uh, opinions or thoughts on adding more interviews into the show? With with founders who are you know sort of maybe in a place we used to be in or yeah I think we I think it would be good to do both to to have folks that are just starting out because that again that it just does make good radio because um, it's the it is the most interesting part of the journey is we're starting out we we have no idea how this is going to end up and there are so many obstacles in our way it it is it's exciting to hear it. Right. But I think yeah. we also want it to to have on the other side some stories of people who have gone through it, some people who have failed, and also some people who have succeeded. And the the benefit I think is everybody's journey is different, but there are going to be some similar touchstones, some some similar kind of things that we all will encounter. You know, one of those things that we've talked a lot on this show about, but I think it's hard to understand. And so we just have to keep repeating it is the the market you choose to enter really does determine a lot of your success. And until you start to feel that, until you start to feel the pull of a market, it's hard to kind of understand that. Yeah. Yeah, and that that whole market situation is just being turned on its head right now. So, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, but in the midst of this, um, I won't share too much because some of this is just between her and I. But Marie Poulin is doing really well right now <laughs> with yeah. her with her Notion courses and her the, this whole focus of Notion. She she was working on client projects before this and a software platform for course creators. And then she stumbled into this this idea of helping people get set up on Notion. Yeah, Notion has just taken off. I, I mean, I haven't really used it, but I know 
I just hear a lot of people talking about it. So she probably just capitalized on the fact that mm-hmm. it's a it's a very popular tool right now and probably a lot of people don't know how to use it or don't know how to use it well. Exactly. And but it's worth it's worth celebrating those kinds of realizations because for for Marie, this has been a a big deal for her life, you know? Right. And uh, I love that in our her interview, she shared, you know, her and Ben, her her husband, were working full time on their software product, but then Ben decided to take a job, and the job has been huge for them. You know, it's provided a, a stable source of income. He really likes the work, and then Marie found this other thing and is also doing incredible, showing folks that there are all sorts of paths forward. One of the things I tweet, I've been tweeting about lately is just going back to first principles, which is like, what are we doing this for? Are, are, we, are we doing this just so we can be in business or are we doing this so that we could have a good life? Yeah. Hopefully it's the latter. Yeah. But what is that? What, <laughs> but again, what does that mean these days? I, <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's just, yeah. Well, I mean, for, for Marie right now, it means that in the middle of a crisis, um, uh-huh. she's, she's found something that is resilient and that, you know, is helping to pay her bills. Um, yeah. and I think that's, that's worth celebrating. Again, I know that there's, that there's some sensitivity and you and I have talked about this. Uh, there's some sensitivity around folks who are doing well, not wanting to talk about it mm-hmm. because there are a lot of people suffering. Yeah, I have. I have concerns about that. I mean, it's, I think it is great to celebrate those people doing well, but it's also, I think you have to be a little bit tactful. Yeah. Yeah. You have to be a little bit tactful. Consider um, it. Consider it not coming across as like, everyone can do this or everyone should do this Mm -hmm. because there's, you know, there's a lot of people who lost their jobs, but they're jobs that they loved and it's not like they want to change. Mm Mm-hmm. Or, or they, or they're in an industry that just doesn't wouldn't work to transition to something like a software platform that you sell. I mean, not everyone can, not everybody is going to be able to do that. Yes. Right. Yeah. Um, so I think we still have to like this isn't some magic cure for everyone. Mm-hmm. We still have to support these other you know small businesses and yeah, hope they stick around and yeah. Which is why, which brings me to a second thing I wanted to talk about, (laughs) Mm -hmm. which is we've had some folks, not a lot. um, In fact, most people are, have been supportive of this, but there are some folks that have pushed back on us and especially me, because on my blog and Twitter, I get into this quite a bit about talking about things other than business. You know, the kind of like stay in your lane, Justin, don't talk about philosophy, mental health, economics, <laughs> politics, ecology. And uh, I, first of all, <laughs> I, I, you know, our, the people listening to this show are not one-dimensional. One we all live in social, economic, and political contexts. We have feelings, we have families, we have histories. We're not doing this for one-dimensional reasons. I, I'm, I imagine most folks listening to the show, their their ultimate aspiration in life is not to 
build business, make most money, and then die. Like that, that's, that, that's not the, that they want more out of their life. And so we're already three-dimensional. And to ignore that, to ignore that each of us lives in a context yeah. is, uh, I think, um, first of all, it's just not even practical. It's yeah. It's not like we could record this show, or you could write something that isn't affected or influenced by what is happening with you know COVID nineteen or anything. It's just not possible. You you couldn't. You can't ignore it. It'd be impossible to write. You would have nothing to write about. Well, and it would also just be boring. And but even then, the advice would be bad because. Yeah. And I I see this kind of thinking a lot, um, especially with like. Silicon Valley bros is they're always like the economy will solve everything. The, the, the right. It's like they're, they're, you know, yeah, you, you would end up writing something or talking about something for a world that no longer exists. Yes. And may never again. And, and by the way, um, uh, you and I definitely have a bent on this. You and I are more or less, um, well, we have some subtle differences, but more or less, we are philosophically and politically um, similar. And um, so we, we recognize that there's folks that might not agree with us that are listening right now, and that's fine. Uh, but the idea that we wouldn't talk about it is as much a political statement as Jason Calcanis saying, the market will solve everything. Let's mm-hmm. just talk about the market. And it's like, okay, well, that's fine. That Certainly, that's talking just about business, but that's in of itself a political statement. That's a very neoliberal philosophy. And so there's no such thing as being able to be like unbiased and so uh, banal that you would, you'd never be able to touch on all of these things, right? The whole reason we're having a podcast and that, you know, you and I are talking about things and then we have guests on the show and then we have listeners who can respond at any time, including right now, if they wanted to, they could send us a note on Twitter or email or however they reach us. The whole idea is that there's discourse, that we are human beings around the world in our individual contexts and we're at least aligned on one thing, which is we all want a better life for us and for our families and for our communities. And so if that's true, then, you know, we're going, we're going to have to talk about politics and uh, nobody needs to get offended that, that you and I have, (laughs) that you, that you and I have some thoughts on that. It does affect our business it does it the the even um if you go back to early episodes we talked about the kind of technology you and i want to be involved with this has been a thread from the beginning did yeah. we want to create an addictive social app that relied on ad revenue did we want to be supporting the the google facebook um ad machine did we want to take funding from venture capitalists. These are all decisions made based on your values. We can't ignore it. And, um, but that doesn't mean that we're, you know, we're trying to create a show just for people like us. Uh, mm-hmm. there's lots of, I, I hear there's lots of people I respect that listen to the show 
that disagree with me on all sorts of things. Yeah, how can we? Yeah, how can we ignore talking about politics or coronavirus when, in a given week, it might affect one of us so much that we work like two hours? Mm-hmm. You know, you have to you have to bring it up. Yeah, yeah, and you know, it it affected you in some way, and it those those opinions that will come out, you know, might not be something everyone agrees with. Yeah. That, I mean, that's, a, that's also just, a, just getting back to like the idea of putting any sort of media out in the world, whether it's a podcast or a blog or whatever, all of us are inherently drawn to people with strong opinions. Mm-hmm. Some people hate Jason Fried and DHH. They can't stand them. Some people like me, openly acknowledge i'm just such a huge fan and it yeah i'm i'm in i'm i'm hooked up to their religion it's true like but this isn't just me this is all of us <laughs> we're all in in we're, we're we're all subscribing to beliefs that we believe in and uh but to ignore that is first of all you just will, you'll never build an audience because until you form an opinion and until you're able to communicate that opinion, and by the way, that doesn't mean you can be reckless or, or uh, hmm. you know, offensive. That's not the point. Right. You still have to do this with some grace. And maybe, you know, maybe DHH is, is over the line there. I don't know. But there's still going to be some grace there. Certainly, you have to have some opinion. You have to put a line in the sand somewhere and say, you know, this is what I stand for. This is why I get up and do what I'm doing every day. And if anything, I think if you've been listening to the show for a while, it feels like where you and I are at John right now. And, and even uh, Junta was getting into this. He's like, okay, well, what's driving you guys now? And those are all values based conversations. Like what values do you have right now that are going to drive the next couple years now of transistor development? What, you know, what things do you believe in that are going to dictate where you focus your attention? You know, in some ways, the Tailwind Project is a good example of like, it's just plumbing. And so it it's just like one of those projects that's like, you're just, you know, you're kind of plodding along, you're doing it, but it doesn't get you fired up every day because it's not like, it's not, it's, it's different than you mm-hmm. building a podcasting platform for Cards Against Humanity right. because of a bunch of... I'm, yeah, I mean, it feels like I'm rebuilding it, but it should have not taken this long. So <laughs> it's still interesting, and there are definitely days where I'm like tackling something that's interesting, but there's this constant feeling that it should have been done a long time ago mm, Yeah, for multiple reasons, and obviously things that happened you know, this year and are currently still happening. But mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, what... As always, if you've got thoughts on that or you want to give us some feedback, let us know. Uh, we do obviously want to make this podcast valuable as well. And one yeah. of the things I thought we could talk about is what kind of SaaS, what kind of software product would I be starting or would you be starting right now in 2020 and, you know, it's April 2020. Hmm. And uh, one of the things I've been thinking about is just if you go back to our episodes on pricing and all those in some ways philosophical arguments we were getting (laughs) into with people about pricing uh 
mostly like we were on the side of the debate of, you know, some people were saying we should charge way more for transistor because historically bootstrappers have said, you know, anything below $50 a month is too cheap for a bootstrapped app. And there's some good reasoning behind that. But one of the things I've been thinking about a lot is in the midst of this pandemic, the people who are in motion right now, a lot of them are looking for lower cost alternatives to what exists right now. Mm -hmm. It feels like there are opportunities there. If there's enough demand, if you can get enough customers at $19 a month, $5 a month is probably too cheap. But again, there's no, <laughs> there's no clear rules here. It all, it all depends on how much demand there is. How many people are there out there that are willing to pay? And how often do they pay? How easy are they to reach? And if a lot of those things line up in favor of doing a $5 per month app, then maybe you should do it. Yeah. I, do you have any thoughts about that? Have you noticed any of your friends or any businesses you know that are have made choice or have we switched to anything cheaper? I'm trying to think. No, I don't think we have recently. I mean, some, you know, a few things we use have opened up free plans. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, Git, GitHub has opened up a free plan for businesses, which we haven't converted to because we already paid for a year through whatever, <laughs> July or Oh, something. they, they but, already got our money. <laughs> yeah. You know, Clubhouse went free a while ago. Basecamp is free mm -hmm. or can be. So like, but other than that, I don't think we've really. Well, even that, like that shows you uh, Clubhouse, Basecamp, Trello, all of those have a free plan now. And I think that's interesting in of itself that if you're going to bootstrap a project management app, you're probably going to need a free plan. Mm -hmm. This is This is one thing that, this is one of the reasons I, I disagree with that kind of uh, that charge more mantra just on its own because it ignores the idea of competition. As soon as MailChimp took over most of the email newsletter market and, is, and went freemium and then they adjusted their pricing, that already anchors the entire sector. That entire product segment is now anchored because the market leader is saying, this is where we're at. It's interesting. I mean, it's because free is such a, such a low amount Yeah, that it just drives things to zero. And you might not need to start there, but you know, ConvertKit just recently announced a free plan after being in business for two to three years. And initially yeah. their, their whole pitch was we're going to do what MailChimp does, but it's going to be simpler and better suited for bloggers and podcasters and YouTubers. And that carried them pretty far. And now, strategically, they're, they're looking around and they're going, okay, our biggest threat right now is still MailChimp's free plan. And so, you know, we've got a healthy, <laughs> healthy MRR and we've got lots of margin. We've got lots of money in the bank. I think Nathan published that they have five or six million in the bank. Now might be a good time to introduce a free plan, even though it threatens 30% of our recurring revenue. Even if we lose that 30%, we're okay now. Mm. So there's timing with these things. But uh, those are the types of opportunities 
I would be thinking about. Like CARD, C-A-R-R-D.co. Just a great idea. Because uh, AJ noticed, I think that's his name, AJ, he noticed, you know, there's a lot of websites that are just single-page websites. You know, a restaurant just needs a single page with a, a, a list of their menu. A lot of businesses don't need super complicated websites. And so on a card pro plan, you can build tons of websites, single-page websites, for $19 a year or something like that. Hmm. You know, I think a lot of bootstrappers would say, well, that's too little. That's not enough money. But it it's it's I've paid for it for the past four or five years. I actually use it for Transistor all the time to demo, um, you know, our embedded player. And it's just such a no-brainer. It's like $19 a year. I'll keep paying for that forever because it it's just been so useful. I think there is a place for those kinds of apps, and especially right now. In fact, I still think you could build a competitor to Card, you know, a really simple site builder that maybe only does one page, or maybe if you want to compete with Card, you do three pages. <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. there's room for these things. And there are lots of folks right now that are looking at their $150 WP engine bill. And they're thinking, man, how can I get this down? <laughs> how can I reduce this bill? And that's going to create opportunities. Yeah, it's going to be, you know, they're they're at home, working from home. Maybe they have some extra time because they don't commute mm-hmm. two hours a day. And, you know, it might be a two, three, four-day project to convert all those over to a static site and just save a bunch of money. Somehow, somehow find out a way to do it for free because mm-hmm. they're not, maybe they're not, you know, their websites that aren't really heavily trafficked or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, a uh, friend of the show, Miguel Piedrofita, Piedrofita, uh, he's working on sitesauce.app. And this is such a brilliant idea. It You just give it the URL to a WordPress site and it deploys that to Zite or Netlify basically perfectly. So it converts that WordPress site. There's other things that have tr- I've tried that have tried to do this, like there's WordPress plugins that try to do this, and they just never worked. And I used Miguel's product. Uh, I had to back up a bunch of sites. And mm. man, it just worked. And so now these sites are backed up on Netlify. And Or what's the new name for Zite? Did you see they changed their name? Yeah, but I never really knew what they were in the first place. So <laughs> didn't, I don't really care. It's just, a, it's just <laughs> another Netlify thing. Uh, I have right. opinions about it. I, I think that was a silly move. Like Vercel is the new one, Vercel.com. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, the, the Toyota Vercel. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I did see some comments about how it sounded like a car. Folks, like, why? Why build a brand and people are finally getting it and then change it? It's like, I. this just sounds, this is like a recurring segment on our show. Uh, that's that sounds like some venture capital bullshit. <laughs> yep. It's like there some VC told them they need that to have the dot com. Yeah, probably. Anyway, I, I think Miguel's app is going to do really well because there's lots of people. And if they know they can, they've got 20 sites on WP engine and they're paying hundreds of dollars a month, but they only update those sites, you know, maybe every couple of years, man, just make a backup and yeah. put it on Netlify run that WordPress site locally 
And then when you need to do an update, just do it from there. Those kinds of products, I'd be looking at that. those kinds of things. Look where people are looking to make moves. What When they evaluate their credit card statement for their business, what are they looking at going, okay, you know what? I should change that, remove that, switch that up, fix that. Uh, I think there's going to be opportunities there. And the the traditional kind of bootstrapper stance, which isn't necessarily bad, but is like in the charge more, double your rates um, kind of uh, philosophy. Mm-hmm. I I would just just question it a bit because... Again, you go back, if you go back to those episodes and especially, um, you know, some of those debates we, <laughs> we had with folks on the show, I, I think we were right. We were right to keep a $19 plan. And really, we didn't have any choice because our competitors had already dictated what the pricing in our industry would be. <laughs> like, yeah. there's the, you can't just ignore what everyone else is doing. And I think there is opportunities to get a thousand, two thousand, or three thousand customers on lower priced products. It's not yeah. it's not like the 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 traditionally people say it's gonna be too hard to get thousands of users. I said that in the past until we started Transistor and then I realized, whoa, wait, there's product segments, there's product types where um not that it's easy to get thousands of users, but none of this is easy. But we were able to get thousands of users and it's not impossible. It's not impossible for a two-person team. It's 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 completely possible. And Andrew, uh, sorry, right. Andrew, um, AJ at Card, he has like, I have no idea, like tens of thousands of users. Yeah, I, I wonder, yeah. I mean, I, I wonder if there's some correlation between like cheaper plans but services that, require less customer support. Mm-hmm. Like if we if we had a $5 plan, but we had 10,000 accounts on that, and I think our customer support would be... Yeah, that would be hard. <laughs> really overwhelming. So just because I think a lot of people starting a podcast are like kind of confused and need a little help getting going. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it was a simple product that really didn't require a lot of customer support, I think, you know, $5 plans... Yeah. Would be great. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, and again, I think, I can't remember what, AJ has, uh, if you go, I'll put his Twitter thread in the show notes, but he talks about how much customer support he does. He's a one-person team, I think. And, you know, it's fine. He's, he has tens of thousands of users, and in that segment, it's, it's working fine. And you folks that are screaming, right now. I can hear you. You're screaming. I, I can hear it right now in my ears. You're saying, you're saying, but Justin, that's that product or that, that's, uh, you know, that's easy for you to say, or, you know, that's your, your situation. And, um, that's true. All of these are context, um, relate to context. And relate to who you are, what skills you bring to the table, what connections you have. Uh, all of that is true. But I don't want people to, to automatically ignore something that they might be well-suited for 
just because they heard somebody on a podcast say you should never have a $19 a month product. Right. If you can build a product like Tuple where you can charge a lot more and, you know, Tuple is probably doing a lot better than us revenue wise. Um, then you should do that. If you, if you're in that, if you're, if, if you are at the stage in your life where that opportunity has shown itself, you know, you've been, you've been paddling around with your surfboard and all of a sudden you see a big wave or a wave that, you know, fits kind of the profile of something you could ride, then go for it. That that's exactly what you should do. Uh, when John and I were, were paddling around on our surfboard, we, we just happened to be in the waters that led us to podcast hosting. And uh, we were well-suited for that, that task, right? Yeah, right. But don't ignore it. If, if you see a wave coming along, that's perfect for you. But you're like, ah, you know what? Like, I heard somebody say that you should never start a product that, that you, you can't charge more than $50 a month for. Uh, right. Or, you know, there's too many of these already, but you know, you might have a different twist on it. Oh yeah. Yeah. This is, that's the other thing that I, I, I find it just boggles my mind. How many old crusty legacy apps are there out there that like Ian Landsman, Ian Landsman does help software. He does, he does, um, installed help software like on, on location. <laughs> oh, wow. And, he has a great business and he like spends most of his time playing poker <laughs> and most of his customers pay by check. Uh, so, so yeah. like there, there's, and how did, how did that opportunity come to Ian? Well, he was working for a big university and they had a help system there installed and he thought I could build something better than this even though there was tons of these things around, he just thought, you know what, I could do better than this. And he did. Yeah. And um, again, that that would only work for Ian. Like there's a very low chance that you and I would have started a business like that. Yeah. Oh yeah. That does, that has no appeal to me. <laughs> even, so even this, this kind of relates to, I mean, we've had a few arguments recently in Slack, maybe not arguments, but like disagreements on what yeah, to do. Yeah, yeah. One of them was this like white label situation. Mm, that came yeah, up, yeah. Where a client was like, I think I would love to have you guys have a white label option where we could basically like rebrand your system and then resell yeah. it. Which sounds absolutely miserable <laughs> to me. You seem to be sort of interested in yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. That that's perfect example. It it the who you are actually matters a lot in these contexts because yeah, y- right. y- you're gonna have this filter. And that's not to say you and I shouldn't keep pushing each other, going, hey, maybe you should think about that, right? Uh, that's fine. But there is going to be just part of it is going to be dictated by, <laughs> now we've come full circle, your beliefs, your values, uh, what kind of business you want to run, what kind of life you want to have. Yeah, you know, yeah, previous experience even. I mean, I, I have, I have a, I've had a little experience with white label stuff. I know a lot of people who have and have sort of, really not enjoyed it maybe you have maybe you you've had the opposite experience where you know people have done it and it was like Mm -hmm. a great success and yeah but yeah it obviously flavors kind of everything yeah 
Everything your you history m- matters so much. It, it, it's another reason that I think if you're younger, if you're in your 20s, you should go out and get as much experience as you can. And, you know, for like, for Nathan Barry, I think this meant when he was 16 or 17, he was working for, in web design already, right? Like he was a homeschool kid, I think, and graduated early and he was able to start working right away. But having some work experience is helpful because it kind of opens you up to, these are the the things I'm familiar with. These are the opportunities I can see. I, I, yeah. on the other hand, it does it does sort of uh, can sometimes I think solidify you in your ways or mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. so you know you're like oh this is the only way to do it or this is how I've done it before so this is how I'm going to do it and you sort of close yourself off to new yeah. ideas that but once you've gone through a couple cycles you know so I was working in the in the email newsletter sector and. When I started, we were about equal with MailChimp. And um, in some ways, we were better. But when they came out with their freemium plan, at the time, philosophically, all of us were like, no, we shouldn't do that. That's just, that's just, no, that's not going to work. But now that we've Mm -hmm. seen that, you know, there's been a few cycles since then, we can see we were probably wrong about that. This is the advantage. This is, it's like why people caught in the middle have the hardest time. If you're young and naive, you just don't know. You just jump into it. When you're old and grizzled, you, uh, you're either like still delusional (laughs) or you've started to recognize that maybe you were wrong in the past and now you got (laughs) to change your opinion. Now you got to hire some young people. (laughs) <laughs> uh, is it is it on the show that I keep joking about uh, drinking their blood? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, you got to get some young people because yeah, you just you just suck up that youthful that youthful uh, optimism. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, some other ideas for folks outside of SaaS is thinking about annual recurring revenue, like maybe. Yeah, we get stuck on these tracks like, oh, it has to be monthly. It has to be monthly because that's, that's how, mm-hmm. but there's some great annual recurring revenue businesses. Card is one of them. Every year people's plans renew and it, because it's so small and inconsequential, like nobody complains. Everyone just lets it go. Didn't, did I use it last year? Well, I didn't, but it's still good to have around. It's just, it's one of those products. It, it fits. And there's also, uh, now we would never do this for hosting. Well, I shouldn't say never, but hosting products, this is, doesn't make as much sense, but lifetime deals where people pay once and get access mm-hmm. for life. Um, the tailwind UI components are a good example of this and they've done really well <laughs> with that model. Um, right. So there, yeah. there's some products that have lifetime deals, but if you've shut yourself off to that potential, like, oh, no, no, can't think about lifetime deals because that's just, you know, that, that'll that yeah. never work. Well, maybe it will work. Maybe you're in a, you know, you're in a sector where that make or a market where that makes sense. Yeah. And then the other one was pay per use. Um, 
I've started using for Transistor, I've been experimenting with some contests. And I'm using this app by my friend Yaz called contestkit.com. And he has this, uh, we're doing this Twitter um, retweet contest. It's pretty cool. You, you tweet through the app and then it tracks all the retweets to that tweet. And then it, when the campaign ends, it automatically selects a winner. Hmm. And uh, right now he's experimenting with, I think it's like $19 a campaign. So, cause like with contests, unless you run a lot of them, maybe it doesn't make sense to have someone on a subscription, but you know, when I, when it comes time to do a contest and I'm looking for a way to do it, it's like, Oh, well, yeah, 19 bucks. That's, that's the campaign. And then you get to use it for that campaign and then you're done. Um, I think there's some, there, there's some opportunities there that, uh, people should look at, you know, there, you can, there, there's another uh, product called placeit.net, which is, uh, you can upload screenshots and then have them appear in like stock photos. Like, you know, you've got an app UI and you want it to appear on the laptop where, uh, you know, there's a person in a coffee shop using the computer uh, and mm-hmm. you you pay uh, for a certain amount of credits, download credits, and then you can download those. That That's a great model too. There's lots of folks that do that. And it works, you know, there's a theme song marketplace that does this as well. Uh, what's it called? Is it theme? Theme song.studio is another example of this where uh, Joseph McDade sells you a theme song for your podcast for $350. You get the entire track and exclusive rights to that track. So no one else can use it. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's awesome. Like to, if, if yeah. you if you had to hire a band to record a theme song for your podcast, that would be thousands of dollars. But he's just got you know the studio all set up, and he writes a song. And if you want that song, and you want uh, Paul Jarvis and Jack Ellis did this for their podcast, actually. Hmm. Nice. So yeah, I think there's some some cool opportunities out there if you're willing to kind of open up your eyes and expand. You know what you're willing to investigate. Um, there's some really cool opportunities out there. Do we want to end? Just people do like to hear a little update on what we've been working on. What? Uh, yeah. What? What are we? What are we kind of working on and shaping up for uh, the next the next cycle? Um, well, I mean, we're still just finishing up this dashboard update, which is getting closer and closer. Yeah. Kind of on the, the last little bits of kind of optimizing a few things. You know what we did last after last episode is that was the catalyst for emailing our users. It was. Which was yeah. nice. That's the big one. I mean, obviously we've been we've been talking more and more about, you know, building out an API and um kind of improving some features around private podcasting because we've been getting a lot of demand yeah. for that. Yeah, that that almost seems like Man, it's funny how priorities can change week to week. Because I think last week I said podcast websites and API. Yeah. And I think mm-hmm. you were saying analytics and API. And this right. week I'm like, all I can think about is private podcasts. Yeah. But it's interesting because like I've been working on this dashboard stuff for so long. But once we get it out the door, I mean, there will be a period of, you know, probably some fixes and people... Um, maybe complaining or some problems popping up, but so many of the things I think we want to do are so, are so much smaller than this redesign. Mm-hmm. 
that it's like <laughs> that that is exciting and i want to get to that part where i can actually you know or we can sort of shape something together and build it like you know yeah us. yeah you yeah that I mean? is good small things get a lot of updates out so people are you know yeah uh aware that we're still around and working yeah like for folks that have been who have been like waiting for like updates like product updates i think you're right like after this is done it's going to be like it's gonna you know what it's gonna be like john it's gonna be like when michael jordan had his cast on and couldn't play for six months and then he got healed up and then the coach let him play and it was just like unleashing an animal on the court how great was that? So I'm I'm assuming you've been watching yeah, the yeah. Uh, the Last Dance on yeah. ESPN, which I I caught the first two episodes. Yeah, yeah. I that <laughs> uh, that that part was great. He was like he was like playing these these pickup games in college, like without them knowing yeah, about it. Yeah, he's like, oh, I've been playing for the last six weeks. <laughs> and when he and they didn't want and him when to. he gets out on the court, and then he like single handedly gets the Bulls into the playoffs. Yeah, he scored like sixty <laughs> points or something. It, it, you're just, it's like looking at it, just an untamed animal. Like he's just, I mean, I, yeah. Were, were you, are you, were you a sports guy? Not really, I but mean, back in the, back in the eighties and the nineties, like we all loved yeah. the bulls. Like that was just, it, it was, it was yeah. like, it's like, it was like loving the Oilers in the eighties. Like it's just universal. Cause when you've got a team that is that good and just the, and like, we didn't even know what we were doing. We were playing uh bump. You, you ever play bump with basketball? No. You don't play bump where you're, you're in a lineup of kids and you each, the two front kids have a basketball and they shoot at the same time. And if you both miss, you can, the one person, when you get the rebound, you can bump the other person's ball and like, send it like, like, you know, 3000 meters. Okay. Maybe we had a different name. I don't know. Well, yeah, we certainly played that on the on the playground. Um, anyway, we always pretended like, oh, I'm I'm Pippin, and oh, I'm I'm yeah. uh, you know, yeah. I'm I'm Dennis Rodman. You know, we were all pretending to be those characters. Yeah, yeah, I'm. I wasn't really a huge sports watcher. Still, I'm still not, um, and I'm not like pining away and missing sports like some of my friends are. But like. It is a really good document. Documentary. Oh yeah, and it's the it's the best kind of sports because you get to see these highlight reels of. <laughs> oh man, I just like I I mean I you know obviously I knew Jordan was you know the greatest at the time, but like I didn't realize how good he was from the start. Mm-hmm. Like out of college or whatever he after his sophomore year of college, age twenty one, he was just like immediately like the best person yeah. in the NBA. Yeah. Well, what's also interesting is how, like, he he didn't make his high school team. Yeah, he got cut, right. And in his family, he had all those siblings. He wasn't, like, the best at sports. His older brother was. Right. Um, And, you know, his coaches at the beginning were like, you know, he was, like, okay. And even his um, his college coach said, you know, Michael showed up and he had potential, but where he really excelled was between his freshman year and his, uh, what do you call yep. that? Is it your sophomore after that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just hearing that was encouraging to me to go, wow. Like, you know, some of it was him growing taller and some of it was him like, you know, filling out, but some, a lot of it was just focus, hard work, putting in the reps 
that was, and he was the other, the other documentary I want to see, sorry, this is going long, Chris and listeners. The other documentary I want to see is what happened to those, the first and second draft round pick, uh, picks. Cause Jordan was third. Right. Uh, one of them was Akeem Olajuwon, I think. Yeah. What happened to him? If I remember correctly. He was, uh, he was, I mean, he was a huge star too. But I, I just, I never he heard was, of him. Like no one on the Stony Plain, Alberta uh, school okay, campus had yeah. a jersey for him. I mean, yeah, but Jordan was just so, I don't, I don't know what, it, I mean, you know, marketable. I, I know, know what but, it was, it was but it's like, weird to me that the, that that first and second draft pick, just nobody, like, I don't know their names. And, and yeah. you know, on the playground, we knew it was, we knew Jordan, Pippen, Rodman, and then the only other basketball player I knew was Larry Bird. Magic Johnson? Oh, Magic Johnson, maybe. Yep, yep. Yeah. But, okay, so it's five. You, you know, it's like, yeah, right. the, the, it's interesting that those other two were before Jordan. And it just shows you sometimes that people just don't know, you know, like the, the way we place bets. Even personally, as we're starting businesses, like (laughs) there's so many factors that go into a success, but one of them is just like putting in the work, putting in the effort, being, you know, like, well, I mean, I think, yeah, I think Scotty Pippen was a good example of that too, because he, he seemingly came out of nowhere, played for a small college. Like people at there were there were like head footage of the of the NBA draft that year and people were like, Well, if you haven't heard of yeah. him and most people hadn't, and he was like I forget what round he was, but Yeah. Um Yeah, and he became one of the best players in the oh, NBA. Oh, and uh, I'm sorry folks, this is gonna go long, but we gotta talk about this. <laughs> How it, it just becomes painfully obvious that if they if the owner had just paid him better. Yeah. Everything would have been different. It was, yeah, it, uh, it's, yeah, he was so underpaid for what, compared to other people, but he, he made a mistake of signing up really long yeah, contracts. Yeah, but, that you, but get you, out just, of. you just, you uh, just, as an employer, and this happens, right. this happens right. to women all the time, by the way, women find yeah. out that they have more seniority, that whatever, but they just negotiate, that when they got hired, they, sign a contract or whatever that put them below what men who are often below them are making. And I think it's bullshit. And it it just seems like that the lesson in that, 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 you know, and we're talking about superstar athletes here, you know, who are making like even Pippen, he made $16 million or whatever, um, in the eighties and night, like that's pretty good. But, but you know what it's like to be, you know that feeling when you're on a team and you find out you're getting paid less than people who are doing similar work? There's no bigger demotivator than that. Oh, yeah, right. And it just, it, when I'm watching it and I'm like, you know, and that the owner's on there and he's like, yeah, I just don't renegotiate contracts. It's like, dude, you, right. it's, like. Yeah, I mean, yeah, if you want to keep him around, you should renegotiate. But on the other hand, like there's so much, I don't, I don't know if they had like team caps in that. Yeah. Then for like salary caps, but like they have to keep it below a certain amount. They can't, you know, they, maybe they wanted to hire someone else who was like also really good. Yeah, but, but if you've got, if you've got the didn't. second best player in the league 
and he's the right. tenth best paid play. He's the tenth best paid player on your team, and the hundred fortieth in the league. That just is like, yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's a little weird. I, if I, it just, it, I don't understand how they couldn't have seen that happening. You know, like yeah. the. And then he wasn't he wasn't getting the Nike deals like yeah. Jordan, obviously. So it's not like he had other income. Which, by the way, I looked up how much Jordan was worth. He's worth like two billion dollars. Wow. Although, <laughs> and most of that is not two the billion. That's interesting because, like, the Collison brothers, how much are they worth? Well, I don't Pro- know. Probably each of them is worth that same amount. <laughs> Net worth of Patrick yeah. Collison, three point two billion. Wow, that's kind of crazy. Like, you can be the best basketball player who's ever lived, dedicate your your best years to the, the sport, have, <laughs> you know, maybe billions of people in the world who know who you are, and your your net worth is less than some tech guy? <laughs> You're right. Yeah, I'm just mm. kind of weird. Man, your net, net worth is definitely not... Merit, I mean, uh, no. what do you call that? A meritocracy? Meritocracy? Yeah. It's not a meritocracy, right? <laughs> I don't, All right, I folks. Don't John, why don't you thank Let's... our Patreon supporters? All right. Yeah. Thanks as always, everyone. Uh, we have Sophia Quintero, Diogo, Chris Willow, Mason Hensley, Borja Soler, Ward Sandler, Eric Lima, James Sowers, Travis Fisher, Matt Buckley, Russell Brown, Evandro Sassi, Pradayumna Schimbecker, Noah Prail, Robert Simplicio, Colin Gray, Josh Smith, Ivan Krakovic, Brian Ray, Shane Smith, Austin Loveless, Simon Bennett, Michael Sidfer, Paul Jarvis, and Jack Ellis, my brother Dan Buda, Darby Frey, Samori Augusto, Dave Young, Brad from Canada, Sammy Schuchert, Mike Walker, Adam Devander, Dave Junta, Junta, and Kyle Fox from GetRewardful.com. Apex, if you've listened to this entire thing, wow. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for being here. We'll see you again <laughs> next week. We love hearing from you, so write us some messages. Talk to you later. Podcast hosting is provided by Transistor.fm. They host our MP3 files, generate our RSS feed, provide us with analytics, and help us distribute the show to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. If you want to start your own podcast or you want to switch to Transistor, go to Transistor.fm slash Justin and get 15% off your first year.